And so with that overwhelming vote of confidence from the kids, I'm going to speak this morning. So the last few weeks, um, we've been working through this series called Regather. And it's not coming forward. Okay. Uh, and just for some of you, many of you on, uh, who've been here uh, come on most Sundays. Uh, our feast Sundays, it's often a time of reflection and the Lord's Supper. Uh, this morning, actually, I wanted to continue on with our series because I want to, um, to preach about this, speci- this specific text where Jesus heals. And so it's going to be a shorter, it's going to be a shorter sermon, but also we're still going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper. And I've been pretty encouraged by how the Holy Spirit has brought them, these two together uh, for this morning. So as I said, we've been working through these last few weeks through this series, Regather, where we, along with most of the church throughout the world, are regathering around Jesus in this season of Epiphany. We are desperately rereading the stories of Jesus, trying to get closer to him, trying to remember again the things that he's done in our lives, the things that he's done throughout human history. And so it's the time for us to come from the boundaries of faith, or maybe even questions of faith, to come back to the center, to the center of our faith, who is Jesus. And so we're gathering around him. And if you remember the last few weeks, uh, three weeks ago, we, we read the scripture about Jesus' baptism. The last two weeks, we read the scriptures on Jesus, how he went around throughout all the villages, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and unpacking that some, diving into that, and figuring out what that means for us as missionaries here in our community. Well, this morning I've been working on another passage. Uh, It comes just before the passage we read last week. So it's Matthew chapter 9, verses 24 to 30, or sorry, 27 to 34. And at first, this passage, um, at the very surface of it, it's about healing. It's about how Jesus heals uh, two men who are blind, uh, um, but also to another uh, person who has an evil spirit. And so... At first, when I was reading this, I was thinking to get into healing and how do we, as followers of Jesus, how do we heal as well or, or pray for Jesus to heal through us? But then as I was praying, the Holy Spirit uh, was showing me a different direction for this text. It actually, uh, a desire to help us truly regather around Jesus. What I mean by that is this passage <clears throat> at the very beginning, uh, or at least on the first Um, level of it looks like a story about healing. And it certainly is. I mean, it talks about Jesus healing. But then also I realized that this story is about actually more. The story is about Jesus being revealed. That the healing is just the surface. It's just the vehicle by which we're meant to recognize who Jesus is. Another thing I was realizing, actually it was... um, Uh, Professor Bruner and his commentary who helped me see that it's an interesting, ironic um, thing in this story that it's the blind who realize who Jesus is. It's the seeing people who have not yet realized, who do not yet see. So how do we truly see Jesus? That's the question I'm trying to get at this morning. How do we see him and not take him for granted? I mean, we've heard stories of him healing for, for years How do we hear these stories again and not take them for granted? How do we have our sight corrected? You know, oftentimes for those of you who wear glasses or contacts, you go to visit the optometrist and they put you in that big machine to see where your vision needs to be corrected. How do we have our vision corrected spiritually? 
that we can again see clearly who Jesus is? How do we recapture the awe that we had or that we sometimes have still about what he's done, about who he is? How do we move past the, the truth that Jesus is more than just the founder of our religion, that he is the servant savior? He is the son of God who has changed our lives, who has changed the whole world. How do we recapture the weight of that? Ultimately, for me, this is like alchemy. This is like trying to turn lead stories into golden inspiration. The thing is, I can't. I can't do that for us. We can't do that on our own. We can only hold together the elements of word and sacrament and pray that the Holy Spirit does something miraculous. Pray that the Holy Spirit fills us again, sets us on fire again. That the Holy Spirit would ignite us with faith, with awe at who Jesus is. And that that would again change our lives this week. Well, this morning I wanted to read uh, scripture with you. So if you have your Bibles, please open them to Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. And if you don't, um, there's these the bulletin inserts. You can check these out. Uh, chapter 9, if you would, read this with me. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, will it be done to you? And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over the region. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. The word of God. Let's pray that we would hear this word again. Father in heaven, Lord Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit, we pray for your help. Help us to hear these stories and that you would change them uh, from lead to gold in our lives, God, that we would be inspired, that we would be ignited. Lord Jesus, help us to see who you are again. Help us as we regather around you desperately trying to realize again that you are our Lord and Savior. Amen. So as I've said already, as I've alluded to already, at its core, this is a revelation story. I know it looks like a healing story, but ultimately this is a story meant to reveal who Jesus is. The point is not the healing. The point is Jesus and seeing who he is. The details have been set early in the, um, sorry, the details set the stage of this story. It's interesting because these two blind guys, they are coming after Jesus, crying out and saying, son of David, have mercy on us. Now it's interesting, what do you think of when you hear son of David? I wonder if, you know, thousands of years later and halfway around the world, cultures removed, if we hear Son of David, oh, interesting nickname. I wonder what that means. 
but to a first century Jewish person, son of David means Messiah, means Savior, means the one that they had been hoping for. So for these guys, and this is the first place in Matthew's gospel where somebody um, other than God or the Holy Spirit, someone like a normal person says, son of David. This is the first place or one of the first places where people recognize who Jesus is. And they call him son of David. And how loaded that is. Now there's all sorts of speculation. If you remember in the story, Jesus says he warned them not to tell anybody about what had happened. And there's all sorts of ideas and possible reasons why Jesus did that. I think one of them, at least, was because how loaded the word son of David is. How loaded the idea of Messiah is. One, he didn't want people to get the wrong idea because the people's idea of Messiah, as we see in the scriptures, was very different than what Jesus had come to do. But ultimately, Jesus will come, he will bring his kingdom, but at first he came to rectify our sin and our brokenness, our fallenness from God. And people were not expecting that. Not only that, but to be called Messiah was trouble. Because the the establishment that was in power, the moment you say that you're a Messiah, you have a target on your back. Not that Jesus was afraid of targets on his back. He knew what he'd come to do. But he didn't want it to be distracted or he didn't want it to be taken over by the events of the world. He had a purpose that God had given him. I think the other thing that's interesting, too, is the irony of this story, and I've already alluded to it, is how the blind people see and the seeing people fail to recognize. The blind people are chasing after Jesus. These two blind men who can't see their hand in front of their face see who Jesus is, and they're running behind him saying, Son of David, Messiah, have mercy on us. Why aren't the seeing people saying this? They can see Jesus do these amazing things. They can see who he is. They can see the miracles that he does. And yet they have not yet said, Son of David. It's the blind people who recognize. It's interesting because these guys who are blind and can't see their hand in front of their face have spiritual 20-20. They see. But there's more. There's more to this story. The difficult thing is we don't have time to start reading Matthew's gospel from chapter 1 this morning and read all the way up to this point. We sort of parachute into this particular text. But if we had been reading Matthew's gospel from chapter 1 to chapter 8, we would see, once again, that healing, as amazing as it is, is meant to reveal who Jesus is. That Jesus is more than just a powerful healer. He is the servant of the Lord. I've had this image of healing is like seeing the tip of the iceberg. Sorry, uh, healing. The healing is like seeing the tip of the iceberg, but it's the part beneath, the revelation, that's the main part that we miss below the surface. I was thinking of this saying that when I was writing this week that People healed is Jesus revealed. Think about that as you read the gospel stories. That people healed is Jesus revealed. Let me show you. So in Matthew chapter 8, which is just a little bit before this, it says this, 
It says, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This, listen to this, this was to fulfill what the prophet had, or sorry, what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. So healing, as amazing as it is, and I can attest even in our own family how amazing healing is that God has healed Tracy. How amazing that is. Healing is meant to reveal. Just as it says here, this was to fulfill. He did all this healing to fulfill what the prophet had spoken. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. Does anybody recognize that particular passage, where it comes from? comes from Isaiah 53, from one of the servant songs. It says, He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely our grief he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. This comes from the prophet Isaiah 800 years before Jesus was born. And then Matthew, seeing who Jesus is, said that Jesus was healing people to fulfill these words that Isaiah spoke. That we're meant to see that Jesus, not only does he fulfill prophecy, but he is also this servant of the Lord. The servant of the Lord is a specific title. It's not just like he was a servant sort of guy. It means that he is the Lord's servant the one that, he sp- that the Lord spoke of through Isaiah, that this servant would not only heal Israel, not only bring healing to God's people, but he would be a healing for all the nations. That's who we're talking about here, this servant, Jesus. As you can see, there are connections. But how do we try to convey the meaning of this? Like I said already, how do we take these lead stories off of Scripture, off the pages, and turn them into inspiration? That we are ignited by faith. We take, in one hand, we take a match called the Word of God. And in the other hand, we take the sacraments, the Lord's Supper. But ultimately, we pray for the Holy Spirit to speak in us, to quicken our heart, to set our heart on fire again. It's interesting how word and sacrament are these basic elements that we mix together and pray that the Holy Spirit speaks through them. The word reveals who Jesus is and quickens our heart. But so does this supper. So does this meal that we share together. Walter and I, just as we were praying this morning uh, before the service, uh, we were talking, and he said it reminded him of his of his aunt, your aunt, right? Yeah, his his aunt. That after um, she had lived for 70 years uh, in in Russia, or Russia area, and when she finally got to Germany, uh, people asked her, "What what would you like? What can we get for you?" And she said, "I would love to have communion." Walter told me it had been 70 years since she had had communion living in an atheist country, though she herself was still very faithful. After 70 years, the first thing that she wanted was to share, to have communion. There is power in this meal. 
this meal reveals Jesus as well. And so this morning, faithfully, I'm holding these two matches for us. I'm handing you these two fire-starting devices, the Word of God and the Lord's Supper. That in sharing this meal together and hearing his word, that not only would we be encouraged by who Jesus is, but our heart would catch on fire again. That our passion for Jesus would reignite. And there's just one thing that I wanted to read with you. That speaks of how this happens. So listen to this. This is from Luke chapter 24. So this is after Jesus is risen again. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood up among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Sorry, <laughs> not there. Um, sorry, long section. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Interesting, seeing people who do not see. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel, the son of David, the Messiah. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us, that they had seen a vision of angels who had said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself no doubt, mentioning this passage from Isaiah and the servant. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and began to give it to them. Then, their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures, the word of God to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them they finally saw him when he broke the bread. Hmm. 
And so with that, now we come to the Lord's Supper. Hmm. We come to share in this meal, having heard the word of God, a match in one hand, and now receive the Lord's Supper, a match in the other. We pray that the Lord, that the Holy Spirit, would take these two, word and sacrament, and ignite our faith again.